welcome to another episode of the Total R&B Podcast. My name is Lorena, and today I have another amazing guest with us today. Uh, this person is an artist, they're a writer, they're an engineer, they're a musical director, um, they're also an entrepreneur. They have their own uh, sunglasses line that we're going to get into as well that he is wearing because, of course, you got to promote yourself. Um, he was... Um, a musical director for the Millennium Tour, which we all love. And it was actually a winner of a Billboard Award for Best Tour. And he's also worked with so many artists like Charlie Wilson, Escape, Monica, uh, Kelly Price, 112, uh, Brownstone, Aaliyah. So we're going to get into all of that and more. So welcome to the podcast, Marcus Devine. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, thank you for taking the time out to speak with me. So I'm always grateful when that happens because I know time is precious. So thank you so much for saying yes. So um, as I usually start off my podcast, whenever I have somebody new, I always ask them, what is your first memory of R&B music? What comes to mind? Oh, my first memory that stuck out would have to be hearing Lionel Richie's Hello. Oh, okay. Street you know black. what I mean? Yeah, like to this day, that's still my all-time favorite song. Okay. Um, so I would have to say that would be my first memory of R and B. Have you seen him? Have you seen him perform? <clears throat> no, never seen him live. That's crazy. Wow. No, but and I have friends that actually play for him. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's why I was asking because I know you've done like musical uh, direction, production, and all that stuff. You know, right. you're from Detroit, so I was wondering, I was like, hmm, has he ever seen him live in concert? Because that would be dope. Nah. And what kind of music did you grow up listening to besides Lionel Richie? Um, well, I grew up on gospel. I grew up um, first first quartet gospel, so it was different levels of it, you know what I mean? So it was first quartet gospel. Um, the older I got, I got into the choir side of it, mm-hmm. transitioned over to the whinings, commission which is r and b if you know and yeah. a little bit you know what I mean yeah. so yeah that it was gospel really that was influenced that influenced my musical side okay um, and were you in a choir um yes actually uh I won the Stella award with this particular choir oh. um yeah I was young I was in the choir I sang and then I end up because I played bass, I started playing bass for a lot of different choirs. I didn't even know you played bass. Oh, yeah, that's my main instrument. I play okay. bass. So I started playing bass for a lot of um, different uh, community choirs and different things like that. So, yeah. Okay, but you said bass is your main instrument. So what other instruments do you play? Guitar, drums, keys. Also, oh, um, Yeah, a little bit of everything. I played the harmonica in front of my wife before. She tripped out. So if she was, if she see this, she gonna be like, "Why you just say that, Monica?" <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's so dope. Yo, that's crazy. Okay, and then I also saw somewhere that before getting into music, you were into basketball. So I, how did you go from basketball to music? I just knew I was gonna be a basketball player. Like uh, I like. I would play in the snow, the rain. I don't care what the weather was. I'm going outside shoveling that one little square so I can practice or play. But 
I, in ninth grade, I did a talent show and I sang in a talent show and I saw that girls like singers and it changed my whole outlook on everything. So I still played basketball from ninth and 10th year, uh, tenth grade and mm-hmm. halfway through the 11th grade, we had to go to Christmas tournament and I was like, nah, I want to do music. I want to do, I want to sing. And I quit and they were, they were waiting on the bus on me and I didn't, I didn't go. I just quit and wow. best decision I ever made. So. But I find like a lot of the artists that I spoke with, it's the talent shows. It's always when they do the talent shows or someone pushes them to do the talent show, it just makes yeah. a switch for them. Yeah. Like they get that confidence or like the girls, you know, start screaming, start looking at you a little differently. And and I was in the ninth grade. So I, I became all the, the upperclassmen's little boyfriend. Oh, that's my little boyfriend. They weren't taking me serious, but it was the fact that I was getting the attention. You know what I mean? So. That that changed everything for me. Wow, and I, I have to look because I'm not connected really with the schools that much. I wonder because I don't hear kids talking about talent shows anymore. Like I know, like mm-hmm. when I was growing up, talent shows was a big thing. Like you waited, man, you waited for the talent show to come up, the auditions and everything. And I remember yeah. my last year in high school, I helped put it together. Like, oh wow, everything. But now I don't hear like kids talking about talent shows. Or, well, they're terrible now. Oh. Um, yeah, I went, to, uh, my daughter and my son at their school, they would have talent shows. They would be so terrible to the point I asked, could I help put the next one on? Like, it was, I'm like, what is going on? And I told them, I said, I'll never sit through another one. They were that is, bad. Is it like all like TikTok dances that's happening? It's, that's what I feel would be going on. You know what it is? Nobody was hungry. It was like, it didn't seem like nobody went home and said, yo, let me put my show together and let me, like, really, it, I don't know, it was like all just for the hollers, you know what I mean? Okay. And and not, this is really what I want to do. Okay. So your Thanks. friends could see you on stage, you're just happy that they scream because you came <laughs> out. You don't care how dope your performance is, so. It was mm-hmm. such a big deal, and you took it serious, like. Oh, man. It was everything you kick your friend out the group if they wasn't doing right back in the day you know what i mean you hey my, i'm willing to gamble my friendship on this if you ain't gonna get it right you can't be in the group no that happened i was in some dance um <laughs> <laughs> some numbers there and yeah so some conversations were had <laughs> with some people so yeah. i yeah it was a serious thing wow and um i know for you you are connected with Michael Powell because I just spoke with Beth and she had mentioned him. Yeah. He worked with Anita Baker and mm-hmm. he's the one that introduced her to Anita. Yeah. Um, I want to know what your connection is to him and if you could maybe it just explain to the audience like who uh, Michael Powell is. Oh my God. Okay. This is good. This is a good one. Nobody's ever asked this. This is, oh, uh, yeah, like so this is the bomb. So let me first say who Michael Powell is to me he is uh i call him the gateway and when i say that everybody almost everybody that you know that came out of detroit went through there at some point or another through mike powell's studio um i remember i was i produced a song i wrote a song for an artist that he had and that was my first introduction of me sitting in the room with him actually getting the chance to produce with him. And then he opened up the door, just, he Michael Powell that, of Anita Baker Rapture, but he opened up the door to me, like he been knowing me forever. 
And I was just getting started. And I used to call up to the studio and be like, is it okay if I just come up there? And he'd be like, yeah, I had no reason to be there. I just wanted to be a fly on the wall just to see what was going on. And in that, he taught me a lot of things in passing, just about the music and about um, mixing and different things like that. Without me getting on his nerves, he turned to share it on his own, which was beautiful to me, you know? So he was the gateway. If um, Mario Winans was there, um, uh, Pajam, J-Moss and all of them guys, all those for different producers, everybody went through there, through Mike Powell. So that's who he is to me. Well, no, that's amazing because her mentioning him made me go look who he was. I started to like do a little bit of Googling and I was like, wow, he seems like he's done a lot, but I feel like his Wikipedia (laughs) doesn't really give too much information of all the things or like maybe the impact he's had on um, artists and especially like for people in Detroit. So that's why I want to ask you about it because he just- And I'm glad you said that because I want to, I'm going to put somebody on that because at a time when he was thriving and was the man, there was no Wikipedia. You know what I mean? There was that, that, that world wasn't even there. So, um, and he did Anita Baker, Yolanda Adams, I think. Um, there's so many people. I'm not even going to start running down the line. But he's worked with a lot. And I'm glad you said that. I'm going to get somebody on that to see if they can kind of get that up to date. Yeah. So, Or, I mean, if you could put it out there, if I could interview him, I think that would be great. Because I think his story needs to be no, shared. I'm, I'm on it. Say no more. Yeah, because I feel like there's so many people that do things like you're in like the background, technically, you know, doing a music production and stuff. And we don't always get to hear your stories Mm -hmm. or even as a background singer. A lot of times we don't get to hear what you guys through, what it takes to be a background singer. Like there's no platform or your stories are not told. So I think it's Mm -hmm. important to get those things out, too. I agree. And I want to ask because you said like you would you know, call up and go to the studio, even though you had nothing to do there technically. But do you think because he saw maybe your interest and your hunger, that that is why he just kind of mentored you in a way, like gave you that advice and that information? I'm pretty sure. Um, and because I've always been the type to say that the, the, you know, the Bible verse, you have not because you ask not. Like, I really believe that part like you know what i mean that i could sit at home and wish i was a producer i wish i was in this but i'm like all he could do is tell me no and i knew he was i knew he was the man in the city so it was like let me call and the cool thing is once he heard my music it was a like oh yeah let's go it it was an easier i think the music was the lead for me the Mm -hmm. the thing that really made him open up the door and once we got in there together me calling up there, like, what y'all doing today? Can I come through? Man, I'll be like, okay, this guy's serious. And he'll tell me today, he told me not too long ago, like, how proud of me he was. Like, you know, so that's, that mean the world to me, you know. Oh, I love that. I love that. So what came first for you then? Was it singing or was it producing? <laughs> singing. Singing came first. Okay. Yeah, it, so and how did you get into producing? Um. Okay. I had a friend that, used to I used to do all the songwriting and singing. I had a friend who did the music. Okay. And I had his keyboard 
and I was fiddling around because I, I I would never try to learn how to play because I'm like, yo, my brother do all the playing, so I don't have to do it. And he took his keyboard from me. And he, I guess, you know, and so it left me not being able to do anything. And we wasn't working together that much no more. So I said, you know what? I'm going to learn on my own. And I was working at a, a, a Oriental clothing store. And I was looking through a magazine at some, uh, at some keyboard. And a lady asked me, she said, what are you looking at, Marcus? And I was like, I need a keyboard because my friend took his keyboard. And she said, let me see the one you want. And I showed it to her. She called her husband over and they said something in their language. Okay. And, and turned turned me and said, Okay, go ahead and order it. We're gonna pay for it for you. This is my very this is my very first day of work. I didn't Your even day? my first day. I didn't even know these people. So they bought it outright and I just had to pay them back for my uh-huh. keyboard. But they it came, they delivered it to the store, everything. So now I can get my thing on because now I got my own keyboard. And I started going to the pawn shop, buying sequencers and different pieces of gear. And that's how I got into it. Yo, how that aligned is crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? But that that's, is- my, that's my life, though. And that's the name of my uh, project, is I Love My Life. That's the name of my the title yeah. of my album. I was going to ask you that because you have that on every one of your posts. That's like your, your tagline, your hashtag that you always use. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how... Well, well, maybe that's not the start of it, but that's certain things that happened in your life like that yeah. Yeah. where it just aligned. Mm-hmm. Amazing. But it just shows that this is what you're meant to do also. Yeah, I agree. It's confirmation that you're in the right direction. You're on your the right path. That is mm-hmm. so dope. Um, so then where did the name The Heat Miser come from? <laughs> it's a cartoon, and I know you say it, A Christmas Without Santa Claus, um, Mr. Freeze. And he had oh, a brother called, he had yes, a brother yes. called a heat miser. Yeah. yeah. So I just spell it different so mm-hmm. I don't get sued. So, yeah. So that's where the idea, that was my favorite cartoon growing up. But even as a grown person, I would watch that cartoon in the summer. I had a DVD. I'll be in my studio and it'd just be on loop and I'll be working and I look over at the TV and it's just on all the time. Oh, okay. I was, mm-hmm. I was thinking it was something more deep. I totally forgot about that cartoon. Okay. No. But what it, what made me really gravitate to it is I've always used heat in my name or something to do with fire. Mm-hmm. And, my, and, and this is going to be sound crazy when I say this. I use something to do with fire. Like it, I started off at 2002 degrees was my first company name. And okay. then my company name, my production company name is The Furnace. Mm-hmm. So it's always something to do with heat. But the crazy thing is in 2006, my studio actually burned down. That was, oh my God. Yeah, ain't that crazy? Like, I maybe need to change that thing to something. Something a little <laughs> bit more cooler. No, something a little cooler. Like, but yeah, so. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I also I wanted to ask, because I did see that um, you did backgrounds for Aaliyah. Yep. I'm such a huge fan of hers from when I was a kid. Incredible Still- person. So I want to know, like, how did that connection happen? And if you can share maybe a story. Um, well, it happened. Uh, his name is Kern Brantley. He's the music director. He used to be the music director for Lady Gaga, uh, Mary J. Blige, New Kids on the Block. So he like my big brother in Detroit. And I, I ended up just going to rehearsal with my best friend, Gerald Hatton. And he was like, he's like, go to rehearsal with me. I'm like, all right. So I'm just sitting out in the audience while they're on stage. The guys he hired to sing background, 
didn't show up this day. Actually, he didn't show up for about three or four days. But this first day of rehearsal, he didn't show up. So the music director was like, come here, Mark. This scene is no fun. Just do this rehearsal. And when Aaliyah walked in, she said, who is that? And they was like, that's Marcus Devan. She was like, I like him. I like him. So two days later, the guy ended up showing up to rehearsal. And he was upset. Like, how y'all going to get somebody else? Whatever. So Aaliyah's daddy was like, we're going to hold an audition for background singers. So give him a fair shot. Mm-hmm. So it's now it's 20 guys in here now wow. uh, trying to audition. So Aaliyah walks in while auditions are going on and said, what's going on? And the lady who was over said, well, your daddy said, we're going to have an audition. So she said, no, 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 no. I want Marcus in front of everybody. And the lady turned around and said, well, y'all heard what she said? Y'all have a good day. And that was it. See, that's another I love my life moment. I right? love my life moment. You hear me? And uh, you say give you a story. Yeah, it, you can share a story with us. I have a few, but I'm, but I'm just going to share this one. I had a jersey on uh, one day in rehearsal. She walked up to me and was like, Marcus, where you get that jersey from? I was like, nah, I just bought it. I said, I'm like, you like this? She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And I knew her birthday was in two days. So okay. I went and bought her the same exact jersey as mine. So, and the crazy thing is, She's in, I think she was in the Vibe magazine. She did a Vibe magazine spread and wore the jersey I bought her. Oh, okay. So that photo is like forever. Yeah, like, I can send it to you. It's in my phone right now. I can send it to you. Yeah, oh, that is so dope. Mm-hmm. Wow. And w- like, what kind of person was she? Because I always hear like she, she was hardworking, but she was also like really, really nice. It's- I tell everybody, you know, people like, oh, she was an angel. When I say really, now she didn't play. That's the beauty. That she's a a, a a a serious angel. Let me put it like that. Okay. She's, you know, if you do her wrong, she know how to stand up for herself. Okay. But if she loved you and liked you, um, last quick story. I was doing a concert, one of my first concerts in Detroit, as me as the solo artist. Okay. And I, and I went to her house to invite her. And she ran down the stairs. No, the gardener was like, who you want to see? I said, I'm here to see Diane, which is her mother, because she was still young. I'm like, you know, I'm not just going to pop up at the house like Julia. So I went, I saw her mama, so the the gardener was like, Diane, somebody named Marcus Devine is here to see you. And I guess Aaliyah heard her, and all I heard was the steps go. (laughs) She literally jumped from the top step and jumped around my neck and was hugging me like, oh my God, I miss you. So th- th- those kind of things are buried in my mind, like, you know, of her. Like, so she was incredible. Man, thank you so much for sharing those nah, stories. You're welcome. Because I could, like, when I tell you, biggest fan ever, like, biggest fan. Like, I have a picture of her up on my wall. I have wow. the t-shirts. Like, I listen to her music still all this time. I will argue someone down. I feel you. I don't play. So thank you so much. Yeah, that means a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I also wanted to talk to you about being a musical director. So I don't know much Mm -hmm. about that. But how did you become a musical director? Um, Well, it started in plays. I did a lot of plays, too. So um, a friend of mine was the music director of this particular play. 
and the, the tour manager called me because I'm I'm producing by this point. I'm working on a lot of people at this point. So he called was like, hey, I'm going on tour. You want to go? I'm like, yeah, I'll go. But I was going just to play keys, extra keys, you know. And we, we did one city, I think it was. We were there for a week, got back, and the music director wanted more money. So he was like, I'm not going out if y'all don't give me no more money. And the lady over the plate called me and was like, Marcus, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need I, my music director quit. I said, hey, hey, stop crying. I got you. And literally, for me saying I got you, that started my whole journey of being a music director. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Right? You hear me? Like, uh, up to, like, on the serious scale, I've, I've mm-hmm. did bands and stuff before, but I, I was like, whoa. And to throw something that massive at my feet, you know, I'm talking about this is a major tour. This ain't no little, this is major cities, New York. And I remember going to New York uh, the first time to the Beacon Theater, which is legendary in New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and, and they, they was like, so who's the music director? And everybody, everybody pointed at me. And they was like, and they literally started laughing. I'm talking like, oh, <laughs> who, him? I'm only 23. They're like, nah, nah. And, but at the end of the week, they all came and apologized to me. It was like, hey, man, we sorry. We had no idea. But so what made you take on that challenge? Because I ain't scared. And when, I, and, that's, and when I say that, that's not in a bragging way. I'm more, I'm more fearful of not doing something. Like, I'll get sick at the thought of me not taking on a challenge. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. So I, I'd rather do it and fail did not do it. And that's literally how it's been my life. Um, I could if we, I could tell you a million stories. I ain't going to do that today. But where <laughs> that type of attitude has uh, benefited me in my life. You know what I mean? So when she said she needed somebody, I wasn't going to run. My thing is, I, I'm going to always say yeah and figure it out. You know? But that, that's a lesson to be learned for anybody in any type of like field or career that you're in to, you mm-hmm. know, to just do it because there's no way for you to grow if you don't take on those challenges or get outside of your, your comfort zone. Right. So. And, and, and the, my thought process is everything you need to make it happen is in the happening. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's just like you doing this podcast. You don't know if the microphone is working until you plug it up and see if it's, Oh, I don't have no sound. Okay. Let me try this. It's in the doing of it that you figure it out. Because everything is just on paper. It's like, oh, that looks great. Until you start working it out. Take this microphone. Then you read it like, take this microphone, plug it in there. But it may be something loose in the in there that you don't know. So it's in the doing that that's how I live my life. It's like, hey, can you can you do country music? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> I need a song. All right, I'm going to go study country music. So by the time you get to me and be like, you have it? I sure do. Yeah. So that's just, that's just how I do you know, no, I, I totally feel that because even me doing this, like if you talk to my friends, they would never in a million years think that I would have a podcast and I'll be talking to people because I'm wow. the quiet girl in the corner. I stay in the background. I do all the work in the back, the PR, the all that stuff. That's mm-hmm. okay. never forefront. So I completely understand. Just yeah. go ahead and do it. Do it. Um. So 
doing something to like the millennium blah, 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 can't talk millennium tour <laughs> oh no that's how we all mess up on it we've been doing it for three years and we still <laughs> yeah don't worry about it you're all right um there's so many different artists and there's so many different you know artist teams mm -hmm. and things like that how as the musical director do you deal with that because everybody is different I think the plays was the part to help because just think about it on plays, there's 20 different people, actors, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Same thing. They come with their managers sometimes. They got their assistants. So you got to learn to handle all of those different people. So the play world was the thing that got me really ready to deal with all of these arts because they're all the same. I don't care what level they're on. They mm -hmm. all want something. You just got to figure out can you give it to them or not? And be and not be afraid to be like, nah, that is not gonna happen. That I'll work on. And what you're gonna do? That curtain's still going up at eight o'clock. So you can sit here and get mad, or we can figure out the best way to get you close to what you want. You know what I mean? So the play world is what kind of got me ready to deal with all those different artists. That's so true. Cause I, I also I didn't think of that in the like in a play. Mm -hmm. There would be all those different personalities that you still have oh, to deal with compared to a tour it would be the same thing. Oh yeah. That is that's very true. And so now you're gonna be getting ready to put out music as an artist. So mm -hmm. I know you put out music before as an artist. I'll, so that's I'll just, yeah. It's nothing new, but the music industry has changed. It's mm -hmm. constantly evolving. So I want to know before we get into the music, like, do you feel any pressure because of how it's changed, how so many people are focused on like social media and like streaming numbers and followers and all that stuff, or you're just going to do you? Um, that's good. I'm glad you asked. I'm going to do me. And when I say that is I'm not putting my song, my album on any streaming platforms. Oh, okay. Like um, I'm dealing with a, a platform called even. Mm -hmm. Even dot biz where you can let the audience pay whatever they want to pay for your record. I want to go directly to the audience. I want my audience to I want to know who they are. You know what I mean? And nothing against the people that go to Spotify and all of those different type of places. But I don't want to put all of this into the music and say, oh, and just be bragging about four million streams and I have forty dollars to show for it. Mm -hmm. Like I I don't I'm 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 so far beyond the hype of all of this. You know what I mean? Um, so my thing is, I want to build a fan base that loves Marcus. So just 10,000 people I'm cool with. You know, I'm not putting a number on it, but I'm just saying, if there's 10,000 people that be like, we love you, then that's who I'm, I'm really catering to with this project. Because that's something I, I've been trying to understand. Because I know for a lot of artists, like they'll post like, the Spotify wrap up, they'll post like Apple Music and all that stuff. But then it's embarrassing to me. It's weird because then people will post how much the artists are getting paid from these platforms and it's nothing. So you, it's like anything else. We get hype about the numbers and I want to talk about something, but I don't want to talk about it here. But then we went through a situation in 2020 okay. that did the world crazy. Mm -hmm. It was the numbers that got everybody in a frenzy about what was going on. We it's some about numbers that we get excited whether it's you put up a pretty a picture, you're more concerned about how many people like the picture than 
is it just a great picture? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So people put up, oh, I got 1.7 million views, I mean, 7 million streams. Why would you put put that up when we know what that equates to? You know what I mean? Like, so I don't get caught up in the hype of those numbers. So sorry to cut you off. Yeah, you're okay. No, I wanted to also know too, because do those numbers, uh, the streaming numbers, does that even equate to like, um, like ticket sales for concerts? Because that's another issue I'm seeing is some artists can't mm-hmm. sell out their venues, even though yeah. they have so many streams. Yeah. Because one thing and and this is a good interview. I'm enjoying this. Uh, um, we, we're lazy as people. And when I say lazy, I'm not like lazy working, but mm-hmm. if I don't make you work for something, you're not going to work. You're not going to say, let me go to extra mile. Even me going to even.biz is mm-hmm. me saying, I got to take a chance on people saying, Oh, well, I don't want to go away from, uh, Spotify, I don't want to go away because we get stuck in a rut, not understanding like my life and my career is more important than whether it's easy for you to just hit a button and listen to my record. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, the numbers don't equate to show because if I can hear the record all the time, I don't we know the concert is going to be what? Like, you know, most of the time, with the, I'm just saying with the new artists, not to bash them, but that's why 90s artists continue to sell records. Mm-hmm. I mean, to continue to sell out more shows. Yeah. They work more because people were actually invested into that music. You bought that album. You read those credits. You mm-hmm. couldn't say, I want this song and not those other nine songs that you still pay the producer for. You know what I mean? So... People were invested. It was like, this is my album. I, I bought this album. But now I like one song that they play to death, and I, I'm not even invested into the artist. So guess what? I ain't gonna pay you no know, extra money to get my hair done, put on a new outfit, put on mm-hmm. so it's it's just a different world. So what I my thing is to have a, I wanna I want an experience with my audience, with my artists, with me, my audience, the people that love me. I want them to be like. Hey, we ride for Marcus. If he called and need a ride to the airport, I'm going to pick him up. I want I want a fan base like that. You know what I mean? So it's different. But I think that is the way to go because there's so much um like everybody's kind of for for themselves a lot online. I'm talking about like people in general. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people are trying to look for communities to be to belong yes. to and stuff like that so i think if artists take that route of really connecting with their fans in that way like Mm -hmm. not they were like you know all your business like not that type of stuff but you just have that relationship with the artists where you have that kind of like fan community with like different things going on like special events for the fans or what have you Mm -hmm. that is something that people will really appreciate and gravitate to so I like what you said because I definitely agree because a lot of stuff has me very confused <laughs> as to what is going on in this industry that I'm trying to understand more. So that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. But back to you, you're um, getting ready to give us some music. So let us know all the things like what is it you're working on? When can we expect something? Like what's happening? Well, I'm working on my project. It's called I Love My Life. Um, well, hashtag I love my life, but 
um, and I'm having fun with it. Uh, the lead single um, is called Greatest Show on Earth. Okay. Uh, and Greatest Show on Earth was actually a part of an EP that I did during the pandemic um, called Contagious. So iTunes wouldn't, they wouldn't clear the the title of the record. Oh, because of that, the time we were in? Yeah, it, but it was crazy though. It was like, but I don't even get off of that. But they wouldn't clear it. So I just put it up on SoundCloud. Okay. And when I started doing promo for the new record, I sent it to Ron, my PR guy. I was like, well, just give this to the, you know, the DJs and everybody. Let them play this until I get the music out that I want from the record. So I started, uh, you know, giving out the music for the record. Little did I know that Greatest Show on Earth was going to get hot and people, you know, liking it. And they've added to a few stations already. So now I'm doing photo shoots for <laughs> Greatest Show on Earth to release it as a single next month. So amazing. Congratulations. That's yeah, thank you. Thank you. But the whole project, um, I'm scheduling it for October, which is my birthday, October first. Okay. So okay. I sometime in October. Um and I'm just happy I got Selena Johnson on it. Ooh. Um uh Q Parker from one twelve. Okay. Uh Dave Hollister. So you got um, all the singers, singers. Oh yeah, yeah, you gotta sing on this one. So <laughs> then I have a um young lady from Detroit named Jody on it. Um she's incredible. No, she, she she's coming out. We're working on some stuff for her. She's incredible. Okay. So and then my little sister, um, Cherry Black, she actually sings background for oh she kill me. Katie Perry. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, so that's huge. Yeah, so it's it's I'm I'm excited about this one. Okay, so we have some some things to look out for. Which Definitely. I'm excited about because like you said, I like how your single has like kind of, you know, gone so fast that now you're you're doing photo shoots to put it out as an actual single. Because right. I think what people want too is like good music, not like the microwave stuff that kind of just sounds like everybody else, which I find a lot of times that's what we get on like New Music Friday. Yeah. So I think too that's probably why things are moving faster than maybe you had expected because there's a need for good a, a few a few uh, few DJs and hosts have said exactly what you just said. It, the feeling of it is you know needed and it's it's okay. been missed. But the crazy thing is, like I said earlier, I'm '90s R&B to me. Like you know what I mean. Um, and it's never going to go anywhere. '90s artists will work forever. So. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you because, like I said, I was saying it to someone else. Oh, it's a, a singer from here from Montreal, Wayne Tennant. And I was saying, if you look at my like my um, platforms where I listen to music, it's mm -hmm. all mainly old school R&B. Right. So I'll listen music from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. You'll catch some new stuff here and there that I like. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of like old school music. Yeah. And I, and, and, and one thing I'm not, I'm not the bitter old, older guy that, that's been doing this a long time. I still love a lot of the new stuff, mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? But it's still the forerunners of the new stuff. Yep. It's, it's the hers, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's people like that. It's just when you got everybody coming out, trying to sing the same cadence and the same yeah. melodies, like, ah, man, you know? 
Yeah. It happens. Yeah. You listen to a, a playlist of all the new music and it just starts melting together. You don't even realize you're on a different song. So I've done it. Yes. <laughs> it does happen. What are you most excited about coming back as an artist? Um, to see the people response at me doing it for real. Like, you know what I mean? I put out music, but this is the first time I ever took the steps to, to be an artist, do the interviews, to do promotion. And like, so it feels good to actually do this. So I'm excited to see what the, cause I know a lot of people, but mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what a lot of the people how they embrace the artist Marcus Devine. Okay. And also the entrepreneur Marcus mm -hmm. Devine. Yeah. So you have Marcus Devine's signature shades that mm -hmm. we see you wearing now. So mm -hmm. how did you come up with the shades? And I did see that you had um Uncle Charlie wearing a pair too. Yeah. Which is um, so Oh yeah, that's one of my favorite people in the world. Um in real life. So that's a blessing. Um, my wife had a, uh, an eyelash line and I'd have about a thousand pairs of sunglasses, you know, without, without my line. I, I just have tons of shades. Um, and one day I'm like, Hey, yo, hook me up with some of your vendors that you get your eyelashes from, you know, so I can, you know, I want, I'm thinking about creating my own line. So mm -hmm. she gave me some numbers and they turned me on to some other people. So I started getting samples. I'm going through, like, no, no. And then I came across a pair. They were light. You forget they were on your face. Not okay. these, but it was the, the um, and that was the first pair that I had. Okay. And I, I put them up and they went crazy. People went crazy. I'm at the mailbox every day, you know, sending out sunglasses. So, and Teddy Riley's like, do you realize you the only, you got one of the first black, sunglass lines there's no whole bunch of i'm like that's whoa I didn't, I didn't think about that that's you very know? true i didn't think about that either yeah so um actually he wants to do a, a teddy riley design with through my company oh that'd be dope too because he's also known to always be wearing shades. if you go through my there's pictures of him with my sunglasses on through okay. in, my, in my ig too so um him uh Coco from SWV, Bobby V, like uh, uh, the Yin Yang twins, Pretty Ricky, like all of them, you know, Lloyd, Omarion, mm -hmm. all of them got them. Oh, I love that. And where can people purchase them? Um, well, I still I still hand to people, Marcus to directly to the people. Just go to Shades of Divine on Instagram. Hit me in the DM and I'll tell you what information to send me and I'll get them right out to you. Okay, perfect. So we got to mm -hmm. check you out on IG, send you a DM. Shade yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, before we get into a game of R&B trivia, I do want to ask another question because uh, the Grammys happen this month. Mm -hmm. And I feel like every year people are shocked and there's like an uproar and they don't understand how the album of the year works. Like, no mm -hmm. one's ever happy with what is happening. So mm -hmm. I know you've been in this game for a while. So I just want to get your opinion on mm -hmm. like, like how much of an influence does Grammy voters have in album of the year? Or are there other factors 
that make that outcome because for some reason nobody understands why certain people win every year and then some people never win album of the year and different things like that i, I think you really just answered it people don't know that oh. is the that is the answer like <laughs> people people don't get in to understand mm -hmm. how it works on the inside so they're left upset Okay. They think it's, oh, you have a great body of work. That's not it. Any, I tell people, anytime you put it in the hands of the people to vote, mm -hmm. and when I say the hands of the people, I'm talking about the people inside that can, it can always be uh, messed up. And I know that may not be good for, my, for a career answer. That may not be a, a good career answer, but I care nothing about the Grammys. You know okay. what I mean? Now, mm -hmm. if I won one, I'm gonna go up there and get my speech just like anybody else. <laughs> but I, I don't make music for the Grammys because it's still vote. I know more people who vote for friends than they do songs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm talking about people that I know close that, mm -hmm. yeah, oh, okay, you on there? Okay, I'm gonna vote for you. You never even heard the record. So it can always be screwed up. It don't, and Jay-Z had a great point. Like, you know what I mean? Not saying mm -hmm. that that Beyonce had an incredible album, but it was one of the most played records than mm -hmm. anybody. I don't know about five or six singles off the record. How do you not be in the number to say I've won once mm -hmm. when when you got the whole radio everywhere on lock? Not just black radio, yeah. radio everywhere on lock. And, nope. I, and there's nothing against Taylor Swift because she's brilliant. I don't care what nobody say. You can be mad at her. But she yeah. knows what she's doing, and she knows how to play the game. No, her and her team are really good. Oh my god! Really, really good. Incredible. So, I it's I think it's the system. It's the way it's set up. Okay. I, yeah. I think the Grammys. This is my thing. I can't tell nobody what to do with their stuff, but mm -hmm. I think the Grammys should be the people. Mm. You know, what I mean, they have what uh, what uh, award show? The People's Choice Awards. Yeah. They have one. Why is it all not people's choice? Why is it why why not the people why aren't the people um voting because we're they're the ones listening to the music. Yeah. Half the people that's in the room that's voting on the music that even determine whether it's even considered, they're not even listening to that record. You got country artists voting on the number one R and B album of the year. They never heard it. Mm-hmm. So it's, to me, it's the way the system is set up, but you know, it ain't my system. So. No, but you said a lot of good things, like how we hold the Grammys in such a high regard when mm -hmm. we shouldn't. Cause I think too, I think that would put less pressure on some of the artists to just make good music instead mm -hmm. of trying to focus like, yeah, I'm going to make it this way so that, you know, I'm eligible for a Grammy and then da 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 well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I, I was trying not to say this part, but since you said what you just said, that sparked what I was about to say. I think we should always have our own. But the mm -hmm. thing is, we do have our own and we don't, we'll, we'll go to the BET Awards looking like we're going to, to a cookout. Right? But we'll go to the, we'll go get the best suit, the best dress, the best everything and go to the Grammys. Like if you made the BET awards and I, I'm just using BET as an example, you can yeah. use whatever award, but if you made that, 
that high, that the upper echelon of people coming, like then you, we wouldn't care about that. We wouldn't care that we overlooked by somebody who's never really cared about you in the first place. And this is the part of the Marcus Devan I've been trying to leave off the interviews. <laughs> no, but it just it it's it's needed to be talked about, and a lot of people are talking about it. Like I don't feel that anything you're saying is wrong because mm-hmm. I look at the BT words. Like I I was supposed to go last year, but I I literally I left because it was mm-hmm. chaotic. Um, but I find a lot of our artists, the people that we want to see at the BT Awards, don't show up to the BT Awards. For whatever reason, I don't know, so I don't blame anybody. But well, just... that's because we you might go there and get into a fight. You understand what I'm saying? Like we gotta, we we gotta take our stuff and 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 nurture it and and treat it just like you do when you go over their house. Yeah, you know what I mean. Don't don't throw stuff on the floor at your own house, but then you go over there. Oh, pick that up. Go, oh, pick that up. I wish you could do this. And you fall, you get announced for a Grammy and you up there, you could barely talk because you're crying. But mm-hmm. if you want to be a tear ward, hey, you, like you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's man, it, it's just different for me. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of things. And like I was saying before, a lot of things confused me. So I, I always ask artists for their opinion, especially people that, you know, that been through it for a couple of years and they, mm-hmm. they, it a bit more so i feel like there's a lot of more work to be done and yeah. hopefully there's a switch mm-hmm. i'm gonna keep the hope alive <laughs> let's go i ain't mad at you i feel you yeah but thank you so much for answering that question you're welcome I appreciate that so let's get into some army trivia i'm gonna ask you six questions we're gonna see how well you do before we wrap it up Okay, so if you're ready, let's start with question one. Which singer, songwriter, musician, and record producer released their single, Super Freak, in 1981? Rick James did that. That is correct. All right, question two. I'm going to give you some lyrics. I'm not going to sing. I'm not a singer, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure you'll get it. What song from Michael Jackson's Thriller album features the lines? Don't you know now is the perfect time we can dim the lights just to make it right in the night. Hit the loving spot. I'll give you all that I've got. Is it A, want to be starting something, B, PYT, C, baby be mine, or D, human nature? B. Correct. PYT. That Mm -hmm. is Okay. Three. Which R&B group was not formed in Atlanta? Is it A, 112, B, Jagged Edge, C, TLC, or D, Drew Hill? Drew Hill. That is correct. Uh, Four, what is the name of the group that consists of Tank, Genuine, and Tyrese? TVT. That is correct. I just said three songs to them. That's why that's funny to me. Listen, I'm over here praying that we get another album. Yeah, they're working on it. I know, but things went a little left last time. Yeah, we're going to keep our fingers crossed. Trust me. I've been been praying. (laughs) Um, Five. Uh, Aaliyah's song that was featured on the soundtrack, Romeo Must Die, is a duet with which rapper? 
Is it A, Magoo, B, DMX, C, Fabulous, or D, BG? DMX. That is correct. All right, last question. What was the original name of the Supremes? Was it A, uh, The Marvelettes, B, Mary Jane Girls, C, The Good Girls, or D, The Primettes? The Primettes. That is correct. Six mm -hmm. out of six. Just like that. See, I knew you were going to get all of them. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be super easy for him. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for playing and let people know where we can follow you to keep up with everything. So we know when the single drops, when the album's coming out, any updates with the shades and all that good stuff. Um, well, on Facebook is just Marcus Devine, D-E-V-I-N-E. -E. And Instagram, you can find me at The Heat Miser, D-A-H-E-A-T-M-I-Z-E-R. Perfect. Thank you again so much, Marcus, for taking time out to speak with me. Love the conversation. You're Can't welcome. wait for the music to come out and everything that you're doing. So thank you. And to everybody that's listening and watching, this is the Total RB Podcast. My name is Lorena, and you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at total.rb. And I will be back with a new interview. <laughs>